morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. We'll look today at the nature of Christ's arrival at Christmas as the advent of the power of God. We will see how the Apostle Paul understood this power as being found in the gospel and his unashamed commitment to follow Christ and live by faith. This truth for the believer is illustrated through a couple of stories and Jesus' words found in the gospels of Luke and John. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Uh, The other day I was driving my dad's pickup truck and I was uh, pulling it back into the garage and I think when he built the house he put in this, uh, it's a double bay garage door and it's insulated I believe. I don't know if he had the idea that eventually he'd have a heated garage because you know guys that like to work on stuff it's nice to have a heated garage but the insulated garage door is extremely heavy. A couple uh, weeks back, or months ago, even in the springtime, one of the springs broke. And you know those big springs that pull up the garage door? Well, if you don't have the springs, that means you got to lift it yourself. I'm telling you, it's a heavy door. So as I'm driving the pickup, I'm pulling in, and I reach down, and I grab one of these. You got one of these? You know what this is? Automatic garage door opener. This is a beautiful thing right here. And I go to press the button, and you can see it's been beat up a little bit. But guess what? Nothing happened. I press the button again. Nothing happened. My suspicion was, guess what these run off of? They run off a battery. And my suspicion was that maybe the battery was dead. And here I've got the garage door opener to lift this heavy door. And it can't do a thing without the little bitty battery. Now I had to look this up for these garage doors because they're pretty impressive. I don't know if you're still lifting yours by hand, but you ought to look into this. Home Depot's got one. It's got a Chamberlain Whisper Drive 1 half horsepower. Uh, it's got MyQ technology, ultra quiet whisper mode. I mean, so you don't wake the kids, right? Uh, convenient wireless backup keyboard, easy upgrade smartphone monitoring. I mean, it's incredible what they have for a garage door opener these days. Any of you guys ever watched the show back in the 90s called Home Improvement? You guys, Tim Allen, more power guy, right? Yeah, these garage doors, they, I looked this up. It says 275 foot-pound feet per second. Oh, 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 oh right? <laughs> more power. It's incredible what these things can do, and you don't have to lift a finger. But i gotta, I got to warn you, just like I found out in the truck, that the whole thing doesn't work at all if it doesn't have power. You can have the greatest technology, you can have the heaviest, most powerful door opener there is. But without the electricity to run it, without that little 9-volt battery, the smallest little component can make the whole thing pointless, worthless. It does nothing unless it has the power. God, when he looked down on earth and he saw the plight of mankind, even in the early days, recognizing that every inclination of their heart was evil all the time, it broke the heart of God because we didn't see sin. We didn't recognize how we had gone away from him. And so he goes and he chooses Abraham. Abraham, you're going to go. And Abraham, by faith, follows God. And a little bit later, he speaks to Moses, this one born out of time and out of place. And he says, you will be the champion for my people. And he gives the law to Moses. The law. It's pretty incredible, actually. It's good. The law is the commands of God. Is God perfect? Yes or no? Are his commands perfect? Yes or no? Yes, they are. The purpose of the law was to show us that we can't keep them. That we still need a sacrifice. And they practiced it for years in the sacrificial system. All the while, these temporary ones, you know, the blood of a, bo- of, of a, a goat or the, the blood of a bull, you know, it gets you through the moment. But it doesn't last forever. 
as the people and the children of God would look for that sacrifice to come, that one who would finally bring an end to the sin that we see in our lives. It was a good system. It was good laws. It had more power, right? It was all right. But the thing was, we were still powerless. We still lacked the ability to follow after God's will because what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his son. In our house, we have made out of the little olive wood, a little nativity scene. And this tiny little piece right here, do you know what this is about the size of? This is about the size of a 9-volt battery right here, about the same size. And Jesus coming into this world provides for you, provides for me, the power to allow us to follow God. To allow us to yield no longer to the flesh, but to yield to the Spirit. I call this message the Advent of Power. And as we've been looking through, uh, we've been actually following a passage in Isaiah. I want you to turn there real briefly with me. Isaiah 11. Uh, Donna read it for us. But uh, for the, the keen uh, churchgoer, you may recognize, hey, isn't Pastor Ryan using the same Old Testament passage week after week after week? Did anyone notice that? No? Yeah? Few, yeah. Uh, he's just getting lazy here, you know, just throwing the same one in there. No, there's a reason why. Without you knowing it, we have been actually tracing our way through a series that's looking at Isaiah 11.2. Are you there with me? Do you see Isaiah 11.2? Uh, In verse 1, and I'm just going to repeat these first few verses. Isaiah says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament? When the, the prophet came to anoint David... And Jesse brought in all the boys first. Now, what, what boys did he bring in to be anointed? It wasn't the little shepherd keeper out in the fields. It was, you know, it was the good-looking guys, the strapping from the strongest and oldest down to the littlest. But then eventually it was the smallest that was anointed for the work. Our first series that we looked at was the advent of humility. And if you recall, Jesus is for us the kind of Savior to come into the world, not with trumpets and fanfare, but to come as a little baby in a manger. The next verse here in verse 2 says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. And you may recall last Sunday, we looked at that. I called it the advent of wisdom. Because the coming with Jesus is not simply the coming of humility. It's also the coming of wisdom of God. And if you recall, we looked at how the wisdom of God is so very different from our wisdom. Right? If we're going to have a baby, I'm going to get... Um, did you see on the video the, the diapers and milk and everything? My favorite one was when they said, after all, they brought gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, kids and Christmas. It's just the best. But God does it in a way that you and I would never think to do it. The wisdom of God turns the wisdom of this world upside down. Remember, even the foolishness of God, if that could be a thing, is still wiser than man's wisdom. And the coming of Jesus shows us that. Remember some of the things Jesus says? You've heard that it says, love your neighbor but hate your enemies. But Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies. But that's backwards. I would never have thought to do that. And if you meet Jesus, you now meet the wisdom of God. Look with me again at verse 2 because this brings for us today's message, which I'm calling the advent of power. Isaiah says, the spirit of counsel and of power will come to rest on Jesus. You may not think so. Looking at a little baby, you might not know the power that's there. 
Those that met Jesus and those that heard the story, they understood it. And for our time this morning, we're going to go to the book of Romans at the very beginning. So I want to invite you to turn there with me. And as we look at a very short passage, it's a beautiful example of the gospel in very clear, succinct form. What we're going to do is we're going to read just these two verses in Romans chapter 1. And then we're going to continue on as we, uh, as we look through them with a few stories. All right, So it's a little bit of a Bible study this morning. And if you're okay with that, say amen. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, follow along with me as I read. Paul says in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness... That is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In this very short passage, Paul, as he begins his letter to the Romans, is wanting them to know there is nothing on this earth that could challenge my commitment and my devotion to the gospel. For it has so transformed him that he now is a herald and messenger of it. He says these words, I'm not ashamed of it. Why? Because it is the... What do I have underlined? Nothing yet. <laughs> because it is the power of God. It's the power of God. I wrote down a couple of things. As you look to the life of Jesus, where you see true power. He turned water into wine. He walked on a lake. He healed the sick. The blind people can see, deaf people could hear. He could calm the storm with his words. He cast out demons. He fed 5,000. He raised the dead. I want us to look at one quick passage in this little Bible study we're going to do this morning. Go with me to Luke chapter 5. And let's just look at a quick story here of the power that comes with the coming of Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, there's a point at which he's really going gonna to break out before everybody so that they come to understand who he really is. Jesus has been traveling around healing those who are sick and healing those who are hurting. In Luke chapter 5, uh, someone help me with a verse. Huh? 1597, if you're looking there. 1597. We're going to start in verse 17. 1598, if you're on a pew Bible. Listen to what Luke says. Uh, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. All right, so everybody got the stage? You see, Jesus is there teaching, he's healing, and a bunch of these smarty pants are all kind of sitting there watching, keep, keeping an eye on what's going on. You know, here's this guy who's, I mean, he's gaining popularity, but we don't quite know who he is. We can't, haven't quite figured him out yet, so they're watching him. It says, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Anybody know somebody who's sick that you would you'd carry to Jesus today? I know a couple people. So look what they do. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. You can see what their goal was, right? This is our buddy. We want to get him back up on his feet. When they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat 
through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So these guys, shameless, right? You, oh, you ain't going to let us in? Fine. Come on. I know. Up on the roof, busting a hole. And you know the guys in the back were saying, we probably should have just let them in. Look at the mess they're making now, right? I want you to see the determination on these fellows, right? They are so committed to their buddy that they're going to do anything they can to drop him right before Jesus because their faith is this. The power of God is on this guy. We don't quite know who he is yet, but we know this. He can heal. So they bring, they drop him right in front of Jesus. Verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, if you brought your own Bible with a pen, you ought to underline that word. It's not when Jesus saw their demolition skills uh, or their commitment to their pal. When he saw their faith. Faith is something that you see. Faith is something that's determined simply by action. It doesn't happen left in our heads. Oh, I have faith. You don't have faith until you put it into action. And that's what these guys did. So this is what Jesus sees. And he said to him, check this out, verse 20, you ready? Friend, your sins are forgiven. Mm, that's not what we came here for. Right? I, I, I imagine at this moment... Like there was this thought in the guy's heads that, well, that's, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. I, re I really appreciate you forgiving my sins. My buddy here really needs to walk though. That, that's, what we, that's what we brought him here for. Now Jesus had a plan through all this. He wasn't trying to just take it easy on the guy. Even though that's a better thing by far to have your sins forgiven. He did this because he knew all them smarty pants were watching. Now look at this next verse. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You want to see the advent of power? You're about to see it right here. Because they got the, they got the right question. These, these uh, Pharisees, these religious teachers, they're thinking the right way about this. Uh, in fact, if this were to happen today, you probably should ask the same question. If someone's going around saying, I, forget, I absolve you of all of your sins, you ought to say, yeah, time out here, because God's the only one that really has the power to do that. If you go out of church today and you start bad-mouthing Pastor Ryan, oh, you should have seen his haircut. What a goofy fellow, right? Now, uh, and then someone, can, you get conviction of the Spirit on your heart, and you think, I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. Um, if the guy next to you says, oh, I forgive you of your sins that, that you did against Pastor Ryan, what right do they have to do that? You didn't sin against them. You sinned against me. And you sinned against my maker. So the only people that can forgive sins are the ones to whom you transgressed against. I, I could say, you could come to me and say, Pastor, I said something I should. And you have a very nice haircut. Uh, <laughs> I say, I forgive you. Or you can go to God because I... And created in God's image. So you've sinned against me and you've sinned against God. But who has the audacity to forgive other people's sins? You, only God can do that. So these guys, you, you know, they're asking the right question. This fellow speaks blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Now I'm out of timeout right there because... I mean, that's pretty incredible, right? That's the power of God right there, that Jesus knows what they are. Guess what? Jesus knows what you're thinking, right? He knows. He knew what they were thinking. That moment that Jesus asked the question, why are you thinking these thing, things in your heart? Those guys must have turned to each other and said, who is this guy? 
He already knows, oh, I wasn't thinking, I kind of wonder what they, if they got defensive here right away, but Jesus asked this question, which is easier to say? I love this. Which is easier? Your sins are forgiven? Or to this, this poor fella who, who cannot move, he cannot walk, is it easier to say to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Oh, it's, it's obvious which is easier to say, right? I could say all day long, lying through my teeth, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I could do that all day long. But if you really want to know whether I am legit or not, if I say pick up your mat and walk, that is a much harder thing to say. Because you will know in an instant whether this guy is for real or whether he's making it up. And so Jesus poses them the question. He knows he came here to be healed. But you want to see the power of God? You want to see the advent of power come into our midst? Look what he says in verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Your Bible may say authority. It's the same idea. That Jesus is the one that brings this power from God. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them took what he had been laying on, went home praising God. And everyone was amazed, gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen a remarkable thing today. The power of God comes with Jesus. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't care what that makes me out to be. I don't care what my family wants to say. Oh, you're one of those Christians. We're not going to talk to you anymore. Or people think at work now you're carrying your Bible or that you pray before a meal. Whatever ridicule might come, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that because it's the power of God for salvation. And you can see the picture of this right in the story that Luke records for us. Jesus has the power to heal because he is God. And furthermore, he has the power to forgive you your sins because he is God. I want you to see a couple other things from this passage. Paul also says it's the power of God that brings salvation. There's a good story of this in Luke's gospel too. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. I want to share this story with you. The power of salvation. How do I get saved? How do I get eternal life? What does that look like? In Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18... There's this good investment fellow, a rich guy. My Bible says it's the rich ruler. Luke records, a certain ruler asked him, A good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's another word for that? Salvation. Well, what do I got to do to be saved? I'm imagining that this guy had a pretty extensive portfolio where he had prepared for every contingency in life. So he's kind of wanting to add this to it, too. Like, what, you know, what do I got to do? I don't know if you think in bribe, like, name your price. How, how much is it going to cost? What, what do I got to do to earn salvation? And look at Jesus' reply. Verse 19, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. And honor your father and mother. Look at the reply of this fellow, right? Again, he had, he had his ducks in a row. Verse 21, all these I have kept. Since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, 
You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very angry. Oh, no, I'm sorry, very sad. Why? Because he was a man of great wealth. Where was his love? It wasn't with God. It was in what he had, what he could do. Man, look at me. Look at all I have. So he's very sad when Jesus says, that's it. You've got to give up everything. Again, remember the wisdom of God, how it turns things on its head? Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? It's so hard. Money's such a distraction. That's the point. Money's such an idol. It, it captures your love. You start working for it. Jesus uses this illustration, verse 25. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, again, this is the wisdom of God coming, right? You wouldn't have thought it this way. I wouldn't have thought it this way. But I want you to see the response of the people to this. Look at how they heard it. Verse 26. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? This is impossible. If this is true, Jesus, right? If, if you're saying it's easier to jam a camel through the eye of a needle, who did that? When's the last time you did that? Anyone seamstress in here? No, right? Because that's really, if that's what he's saying, how could anyone ever be saved? I don't have the power to do that. Jesus replied, and this is awesome, verse 27, you should underline this one. What is impossible with men Look up here. Boom. What's impossible for men ain't a thing for God. Is possible for God. It may be impossible for you. It may be impossible for I. That poor rich guy, right? Done. I got nothing left, right? But Jesus comes and he will bring power. Peter said to him, we've left all we've had to follow you. This is an awesome promise in verse 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to to them. No one who has left home or wives or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. Eternal life. There's an awesome promise that's in there. But it takes faith to follow through with it. It would take faith for this poor fellow to give up all that he had, to listen to the wisdom of God. And they rightly understood it's impossible without the power of God. What does Paul say? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for what? For salvation, for eternal life. You are tricking yourself today if you think somehow you could accomplish this on your own. You're like... You got a lot of good stuff, right? You got a lot of horsepower, but you don't have the power. You keep mashing it all day long, and it won't work. Your good deeds, your righteousness. Oh, Pastor Ryan, I'm a good person. God would choose me. I'm a good person. Whatever it is that we would put out there from our own source of strength is not enough. Unless you can drive a camel through the eye of a needle, you're not going to be able to find the power sourced in yourself. It comes from Jesus Christ. Because he says these words, what's impossible for man is possible for God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. There's a predicate here I want to point our attention to because it would be easy for us to miss. What is it that Paul's not ashamed of? What is it again that's the, really the power of God? Do you notice at the beginning of verse 16? 
It's the gospel. It's the gospel. If you didn't catch it in verse 16, he repeats it in verse 17. You can catch it there too. He says, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. So what I'd like us to do now is turn to a passage of scripture that's got the very best example of the gospel. It's John 3, 16. Have you heard that one before? Is that a new one? We got this. John 3, 16. You, you may not need, even need to turn there. When we're talking about the gospel, and this is what he's not ashamed of, I want you to see the word from John 3.16 that just highlights this. For God so loved the world that he, what's the word? That he gave. That's the gospel. Right there, that word. For God so loved you that he gave. He didn't say work. He didn't say do. He didn't say jump. He didn't say come. He gave. The gospel is very simply this. A recognition of my own inability. I cannot please God. But God has offered righteousness to me. That I would stand no longer condemned in the giving of his son. That's what, that's what Paul says here. I'm not ashamed of that. That's the gospel. Look what else Paul says. If you're up here on the screen. Back in Romans chapter 1. He'll say that this, this gospel that he's not ashamed of. Shows that a righteousness from God is revealed. Stay with me in uh, John 3.16. Because I want you to see where this shows up. Again, God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. That's righteousness revealed. Think of the shepherds on the fields. Man, just another day, right? Who knows what they had gone through. Trying to keep the wolves away. Keep them fed. Darn sheep. Running away. Bring them back. Right? Just another day. And the angels show up and they announce that Jesus is born. The power of God is revealed. A righteousness from God is revealed. That comes through the gospel. We see it in John 3.16 because God gave what? He didn't give another law. He didn't give a, a loophole. He gave his only son. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Look at what he continues to say. Uh, a gospel, in the gospel, righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by what? That, it, that is by faith. I wanted to show you where this shows up in John 3.16 as well. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave, that's the gospel, his one and only son, that's righteousness, that whosoever, what? There it is. There's faith. That we see the righteousness that comes from God that's available for you. It comes not by your buying God off, but it comes only by faith. Faith is something that must be seen. John quotes Jesus of writing it this way. That whosoever believes. And then finally, look at the very end of this passage in Romans when Paul says this. Just as it is written, the righteous will what? Will live by faith. Look with me if you're still in John 3.16 and how this ends. For God so loved the world that he gave, there's the gospel, his one and only son, that's righteousness revealed, that whoever believes, that's faith, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. For a righteousness of God is revealed in this gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles. For the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. 
There's one last story that I want to draw you to as we look to this example of faith. And you've, you've heard it already this morning, but go with me again to Luke chapter 2. And I want you to hear the story this time, not read from a perspective of Advent, but read from a perspective of the shepherds. Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. You think that's the power of God? You think they just came face to face with the power of God? Now what does Paul say about the power? He says, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. What do you think the shepherds are going to do? Let's, let's keep watching. Let's listen to the angels. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Do you see the righteousness revealed? Right? In the gospel, a righteousness is revealed. That's what the angels are saying. A Savior has been born. You can go and see him. The righteousness from God shows up in Bethlehem. Verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, here comes more power. Ready? Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men whom his favor rests. When the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Ready to see what faith looks like? Ready to see if they believe the angels? They say to each other, let's go. Amen, let's go. Sheep are fine. Let's go. Let's check this out. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, look at the response. They see Jesus, so what? You know, the... The sheep are probably scattered by now. Let's go. Jebediah, come on. Let's go on back and find them. No. Look what this says. Verse 17. When they seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20. Look at finally the result of all this. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. For all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. As we kind of wrap things up here this morning, um, this message from Paul on the power of God, and what I want to encourage you to see, as Isaiah said, that the coming of the Messiah will come as the spirit of counsel and power rests on Jesus. That there are four responses that you and I need to take to heart. Four conclusions. The first is this. Action is the response to the power of God. Action is the response to the power of God. Did you see what the shepherds did? The angels came. They told them. The angels encountered the power of God. And what did they do? They went. They said, we got to check this thing out. I can't, I, just, I can't keep doing what I've always been doing my whole life. I've been living in this field. Taking care of the smelly sheep. I can't keep doing this. I got to make a change. I got to go and listen. Having encountered the power of God, the first response is action. Something's got to happen. And so that's what the shepherds do. 
Second response is that seeing the power of God. Right? As they come and they find out what has been told, they come and they see, just as the angel said, the sign would be a baby laying in a feeding trough. And there they find Mary, and they see Joseph, and they see Jesus, and they see the power of God. Do they keep it to themselves? No, the very next response is that when you encounter the power of God, you've got to tell other people. Has that been true for you? Have you really met Jesus? Because if you really met Jesus, you know what's going to start to happen to you as a Christian? You're just going to be like, ah, I've got to tell somebody about this. I just can't keep this to myself. Uh, you may not even know what to do. Come out to Bible study. We'll get you all equipped to know what to do, right? Here's what you do. Go and tell other people, maybe your family, maybe your spouse, maybe your neighbors, but somehow, one way or another, the love of Jesus Christ having encountered the power of God, you're going to be just like the shepherds. You're going to have to tell people. Number one is that seeing the power of God demands action. Number two, encountering and seeing the power of God means telling others. Third is this, the power of God will then prompt you to worship. Look at verse 20 if you're still with me in Luke chapter 2. Because what did the shepherds do after they went and told everybody? They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and all they had heard just as the angel had told them. When you encounter the power of God, it will bring you to worship God. For you will see God as he truly is. Remember, right as the angel showed up to the shepherds, what's the first thing the angel says? What's up? No, he doesn't say. What's he say? Before that. Don't be afraid. Right? Don't be afraid. Because when you, empower, when you encounter the power of God, you now are humbled. You now see God how he really is. And for those of us who believe, who've been forgiven, like Paul, who's not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God unto salvation, right? If that's you, then the power of God will lead you to worship. It will lead you to praise Him. I got one last conclusion I see in this. The place where it all begins is with faith. Verse 15 says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened. The action came from faith. The telling others came from faith. And the worship came from faith. So guess what, church? If we here at Grace Presbyterian, we want to be the kind of people that are moved to action, right? Operation Christmas Child, man, I'm getting involved. We need volunteers for what's happening. The, uh, uh, help me, Laura, what's downstairs? Food pantry. The food pantry. Right? We, we need people to keep coming and volunteering for this. The community meal. If we want to be a church of action, it starts with faith. And we should tell others. And we should be a missionary church. That, that's what we should be. Just that everyone we encounter knows the love of God. It just explodes out of this place. And in our lives, we carry it home. You want to know where that begins? It begins with faith. To worship God and to praise Him. It begins with faith. So how are we doing on that? How are we doing on faith? There was a story that I already read once. It was Luke chapter 18. Do you remember the rich guy? Two examples of faith. I just want to highlight because they're the big two with us. And this is how I want you to try to listen to God's message. If you're going to hear the advent of power come into your life, and if you want to have a response like the shepherds did, and you recognize that it begins with faith, the two biggest areas in people's life where faith is a challenge is with your money and with your future. 
That's how it is. That's just how people work. I confess to you that Christmas, spend a lot of money at Christmas. Any amens on that? Yeah, probably don't need to. If you're the kind of person that's disciplined enough where it's just not a big deal for you, man, I should come talk to you, right? Because, I don't know, when you have kids, it's still a lot of fun to buy presents, but you spend a lot of money at Christmas. Now, I am the type of person that knows in my heart, because of what God has done for me, I want to worship God with my money. I want the first thing that I do when I'm paid to be in worship for what he's done for me. Right? He has provided for me, so I want to give glory and praise and worship back to him for giving. But what happens when the credit card looks so high? Don't leave me up here alone, guys. Right? I mean, this is, this is a challenge in life. And uh, I'm trying to budget and make sure everything gets paid off. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could just skimp a month. Right? Oh, I mean, who for the pastor to confess this? You got to know I'm the same as you, right? And I came under just the conviction of the spirit to be like, that's not faith, Ryan. That's not faith. You're a good steward of what you spend, and you need to trust God. And if you're going to do so, that means you give to God, not just when it's easy. But i got to give to God even when it's a challenge, and that's hard. This time of year, harder than any other time of year. Now, I'm not, this is not a sermon to get you to give, give, give lots of money. You'll remember that, what did Jesus say as he looked, and the widow came, and she offered clink, clink, and he made bill. Time, time out, look at that, she gave more than anybody. That giving is a matter of the heart, right? So I want to challenge you with that. That if you're going to be the kind of person like these shepherds that responds to the advent of power, you want to get that battery working, right? So that there's transformation in your life. A good place to check is money. It's a good place to check. I'm going to leave that with you. And you pray about that and see how the Holy Spirit does on it. Number two is this, your future. How do I do with the decisions of life? What's going to happen to me in the future? What decisions do I need to make? Am I just going to keep going the same way because it's easy? Or is God calling me to do something that's hard? To make a change? To make a decision that, that shows that I'm following after Him, but might not be popular with my friends or my family? That might disrupt the trajectory of my 10-year plan, man. 10 years, man, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to save this much, then we're going to go on vacation here, and then we're going to go to this... What if God asks you to change that? Are you going to follow in faith? These are the two biggest areas, and I've got to leave it for you to pray. If you want to be like I want to be like the shepherds, I mean, I want action. I want to tell people. I want to worship. It starts with faith. Money, your future, and decisions. And there's one that most of us have already found an answer for, but it's faith with sin. There's some people that think, they still got this, I still got this, I don't need to confess. And that you really have never gotten to the place in your life where you trust God to come to Him without any of your makeup on. You come to Him with the ugliness that is the reality of sin in your life. That is the greatest act of faith that you can have. Because you know what the shepherds did? The shepherds came... And they kneeled before true power. They humbled themselves. And many people in this world today think that this is a position of weakness. And I want to tell you, church, it's not. The strongest place that you can find yourself is to bow in humility before true power. Jesus has come. The advent of power has come. It's up to you. 
if you're going to put that type of power into your life. Let's pray this morning.